Hey, look, we're in our last section here, chapter 13. And I thought I might finish today. <laughs> Newsflash, we're not going to finish today. Uh, Lord willing, next week we'll wrap it up. I uh, just felt like this subject today, uh, again, just there's so much here. Uh, I wanted to make sure we kind of did some in-depth teaching on it. And so we're going to stay here for just a little bit uh, this morning. Hebrews 13, and we find ourselves in verses 17 through 25. We'll go ahead and read the whole section. We will not cover the whole section. But let's take a look. Hebrews 17, 13, 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you that what is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren... Bear with the word of exhortation, for I have written to you in few words. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you and all the saints. Those from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Father, I pray this morning that you would remove any distractions from our minds, from our thought, that we would focus and hear from you today. And Lord, I pray that you would give me humility and wisdom in uh, teaching this subject. Lord, I realize that you providentially have us here on this given day, and so I trust your word will not return void. Lord, just give me the ability, the strength, and your power to deliver this message in a way that will honor you and exalt you. I just seek to be obedient today in following your word. May we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. A Christian leader told about some church members who came to him for advice. They wanted to know of a way to get rid of their pastor. Sensing that they were not being fair, he gave them these suggestions. Number one, look your pastor straight in the eye while he's preaching and say amen once in a while. He'll preach himself to death. Pat him on the back and tell him his good points. He'll work himself to death. Rededicate your life to Christ and ask your minister for a job to do. He'll die of a heart failure. <laughs> Get the church to pray for him 
soon he'll become so effective that a larger church will take him off your hands. <laughs> a pastor leads best when his people get behind him. Mark Dehan. Guys, let me just say, it's tough to preach this. We've been going through the book of Hebrews, so if you're visiting with us, don't think I'm some egomaniac. <laughs> this is where we are in the Scripture. And I have asked God to please allow me to simply just deliver the truth of His Word. And for that, I don't apologize. But when I look around at the landscape of Christianity today, and not just Christianity, I mean, just, just life in general, there is an undercurrent that's going on in society all around the world. And it's an assault upon authority. Now, ultimately, the only authorities that are in place are God-given, God-ordained. And so ultimately, when there's any type of undermining or kickback or rebellion. I mean, it's at the very heart of what got us in this mess in the first place, and it's ultimately all against God. So, our subject today is the under-shepherd. And again, I think I would have much rather ask a guest pastor to come in, but then that would have probably been even worse because you'd have thought I brought him in to preach this subject, which I obviously did because that's why I brought him in. So I figured I better just stay with the text and just preach the text, and that's what we're going to attempt to do today. Two points in our outline today, real simple, in the text in Hebrews 13, 17 through 19. Obey and pray. And simply put, that is what this text asks of you when it comes to the under-shepherd, when it comes to the leadership. Myself and Pastor Nate, God called us here to serve you, and that's our goal, and we attempt to do that, and we, we try to do that in the power of God. And what the Hebrew writer is doing here in conclusion of this book is summing things up. And if you remember, we've talked about this. We've been looking at all the doctrine that's been going for 12 chapters. He's been making this case to the, to the Hebrew, uh, to, the, to that predominantly Jewish group of believers. And remember the ones that were not on board, wanting to go back into Judaism, those that were on the fence struggling with whether or not should I go back into Judaism. And for those that were believers and, and seeking after Christ, 13, he got to an application chapter, if you will. And he's been sort of laying it out there on, okay, for those of you who are following after Christ, this is what it looks like. This is some practical wisdom for you to live out your faith so that you will be set apart unto God and that your life will be a living testimony, one that glorifies God. And so he's continuing that practical instruction by simply saying to this group of believers, obey and pray. And so that's the encouragement that he brings uh, here in this section. And so let's take a look at this when he talks about obey. Notice in verse 17, the questions ask, who? Who are we to obey? Who are the God-ordained leaders in the New Testament? T 
Typically, there are three terms, and this is where we're going to kind of go off on just a slight rabbit trail. But who are the God-ordained leaders in the New Testament? Three terms typically used in the New Testament for the spiritual leaders within the church. And some of you have been on our Wednesday night study. You've heard us talk about this. Um, but let's unpack this so that we kind of get a better understanding. I know you probably, maybe you can see that. Three Greek words when you're reading through the New Testament that describe the office of a pastor. The word presbyteros is often translated in your Bible, elder. You also see the word episkopos, which is overseer, sometimes translated bishop. And then there's poimen, which is shepherd, or also known as pastor. Now, this is why when you look across the landscape of the world, there's a lot of different types of church governance. Some of you come out of various backgrounds. I, I, I was in a Baptist church, then I went to a Bible church. So when I came to you, I came out of a Bible church where there was a plurality of elders. They had an elder board and deacons. Actually, they didn't even have deacons when I was first there. And I said, what are y'all supposed to be a Bible church? But you don't have deacons. We need deacons. So praise God, we actually began to follow the Bible and got some deacons. I've said this many times here. I'm not so much hung up on the church governance as a die-hard die on this mountain as much as the importance of making certain that whoever the leaders are, whether it's a singular pastor, as most Baptist churches have practiced in times gone by, most Baptist churches, and this church, when I came here, singular pastor. Now, I know you've had a couple in the past, but when I came here, one pastor. And that's typical of a lot of Baptist, independent Baptist churches. I'm not so much concerned with whether you have one spiritual leader or whether you have seven in the situation of a Bible church with elders. I'm more concerned that whoever is leading is spirit-filled, qualified men of God. Those that, the, that, that God has ordained. Those that have the Scriptures lay out those parameters. Because whether you've got one or you've got seven, if they're surrendered to following after the Lord's will be done, because Christ is the head of the church, then you should have good leadership. I believe the reason why a lot of our churches are in the state that they're in is because we fail to understand this biblical understanding of church governance. Now, with that said, I will, I will offer this. When I came here, uh, I know me. And... I know that prior to Christ, um, I needed a new heart. The heart is desperately wicked, right? It's deceitful. Who can know it? So take heed lest ye fall. I knew that the one thing man doesn't want is accountability. Guess what man needs more than anything? Accountability. So immediately, I made it a point to surround myself with some godly men. Now, in our church, we have deacons that serve, and they make up a part of that council that surrounds me, and I am very grateful for that council. We also are held accountable to each other through the congregation. And my goal is to maybe do some topical studies this summer uh, because if we're going to be biblically based, I've got a newsflash, and this may shock a lot of us, but the democracy model is not the best biblical model. Oh man, I will be ran out of town now, won't I? 
But again, don't get caught up in the, the methodology or the approach or the governance type. The main thing is if we've got godly men and women serving where they should be serving within the church, that's the most important, right? So let's talk about this for a second. Presbyteros, elder, again, coming out of a Bible church, we had elders, plurality of elders. Our text actually today said, obey who? Somebody answer that. Look at your text. Obey who? Say again. Leaders. Did it say leader? It's a plurality, right? Now some will make the argument, see here in the text, this implies that there should be a plurality of elders, pastors. By the way, I don't want you to be confused. If I say to you, who is the leader of the United States of America? Who is he? Trump, I heard you say that. Okay, I know for some of you that might have been tough. If I say to you, well then, who's the commander-in-chief? Hmm, same answer. All right, smarty pants. Um, who's the president of the United States? Huh? Man. Oh, so that's what you're saying, pastor? Yes, that is what I'm saying. Did you follow me? Presbyteros, elder. Episcopos, bishop. Poiman, shepherd or pastor. When you read through the New Testament, guys, they're describing the same office. Just like I gave you three different terms, it described the same person in that office, right? There was no confusion in that. You didn't say, oh, well, commander-in-chief must be somebody different. Oh, well, uh, the uh, leader of the United States, oh, the president, they must be different people. You didn't think there were three different people. No, it's describing the same office. And so when you read through the New Testament and you see elder in the text, now sometimes it's used in an in a older sense for an elderly gentleman, but typically in regards to the church leadership, it's referencing a pastor, to use the language that you're familiar with. Right? So... Do you have a plurality of pastors here? Do you have a plurality of elders here? Curveball. Yes, you do, actually. Now, some people will say, no, you don't. Jeremy's the only pastor. No, no, no. Pastor Nate. Pastor Dean. Pastor Shook. Pray for him. He's preaching this morning. God has gifted this church with spiritual leadership. Men who are called of God to be Pastors. Now, just because our Constitution or maybe our bylaws aren't set up to say elders, some people don't understand. But we do have a plurality of pastors. One of the reasons why I fought to get a youth pastor in those early days, again, accountability, partnering in the ministry, confidant. This is important in the leadership of the church. Now, again, I don't want to meddle too much, make the water too muddy, but I do want to teach. Part of my, my responsibility to you is to teach the Word of God. To equip you to do the work of the ministry. So I'm teaching you this morning so that hopefully you'll have better understanding of this idea so that we can move more towards what God has called us to be as a church. So, ideally... Ideally, our deacons wouldn't be bogged down with weighty spiritual matters. That's biblical. 
If we go through the Scripture, and I'm sure my deacons would be very thankful to not have to weigh in on church discipline or have to deal with crises that, that, really, revo- that, that really involve a deep spiritual matter. I mean, and I'm not knocking, okay, because please understand what I'm saying here. If you were going to go in for brain surgery, would you want a mechanic doing brain surgery? No. But guess what? I don't want a surgeon doing work on my car. In fact, that's probably what's been happening. <laughs> I mean, you understand, that in the right field, they're respected and should be honored. The office of deacon and the office of elder are two different offices as laid out in Scripture. And when they are healthy and performing in their responsibilities as God has ordained, that produces a very healthy church. So, that's a little something to chew on till maybe we get to our topical study some point over the summer, Lord willing. But I want us to understand that when we come to this text in Hebrews and the writer says, obey the leaders, that's what he's referencing. That's who he's talking about. So how? How are we to obey these leaders? Look at the text, if you would, verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Okay. We're called to be submissive. Oh, wait a minute, preacher. That's a cuss word these days. We live in a day, man, adult to adult submission? Forget about it. Ain't happening, Jack. Guys, this is one of the most biblical things. If you want to be set apart for the glory of God, you be a submissive person one to another. You be an employee who submits well to their employer. You'll be set apart. You be a citizen of the United States. I didn't say you had to like the person, but you have a responsibility to honor the position because authority is ordained by God. You want to be set apart as a citizen of the United States? Submit to the governance. Now, there are times, and we've got scriptural bounds, when we shouldn't. And guys, again, as I say these things, whether it's an employer, whether it's the President of the United States, whether it's your pastor, if there's ever something that goes directly in opposition to the Word of God, you do not submit. And if there's ever something that I ask of you and my leadership that, that crosses that line, you have a responsibility to lovingly come to me and say, Pastor, I can't do this, and here's why. And so he says here that we're to obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Now look at this, two points. If they are faithful to care for your soul and teach you the word, you have a responsibility to obey. In military terms... Now, this is military terms. In military terms, submission can be described as a soldier under an officer. 
If the soldier begins to act on his own and be independent of the others, he is guilty of insubordination and will be punished accordingly. That was an adaptation from Martin Lloyd-Jones. What's the point here? Just as submission and civil authority, Romans 13, just as there is submission in parental authority, children, Ephesians 6.1, Colossians 3.20, says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. And again, Children, if your parents were ever asking you to do something that went against God, hey, go steal those clothes for me. I need a new pair of shorts. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> that ain't happening. <laughs> Sorry, mom. I will beat your honey with this wet noodle. No, doesn't matter. Beat away. All right? Then come talk to the pastor because I have to talk to your parents. But the idea is just as there is submission in civil authority, Romans 13, just as there is submission in parental authority, Ephesians 6, 1, Colossians 3, 20, just as there is submission in spousal authority. Ephesians 5, 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. Gentlemen, Love your wives as Christ loved the church, gave his life for her. Don't lord. And in any of these situations that I'm speaking of, if there's lording, it's out of bounds. But just as we see submission in those things, we also see here in this text submission in ministerial authority. The church has a responsibility of submission. Think about this. John 5.30, you don't have to turn there. Um, he says, I can, I can do of myself nothing as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will but the will of the Father who sent me. Jesus Himself was submissive within the Godhead. That should give us a real healthy biblical understanding, guys. This isn't about positioning. This isn't about a power or authority. That's not what, if that's what you think, you've missed the point. The point is, though we are equal in our personhood, God has not invested within us the same roles and responsibilities. And that's okay. I can't birth children. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> Just say it. I mean, but how silly would that be if I was all huffy and puffy about it and said, well, I think I ought to be able to, I can do a better job than these women. You're just discriminating because I'm a man. We laugh at that. But guys, that's not the role and responsibility that you've been given. Get mad at God, all right? Not me. But yet we get twisted and turned upside down in our day, especially if we even suggest this thought of what I'm talking about. But Jesus, by His own example, though co-eternal, co-equal, He's fully God, said, I submit to the will of the Father. I'm not here to do my own will. 
I'm here, to, I'm here to do the will of the Father who sent me. That is a perfect example in our submission. And so here, when he's talking about looking to Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, when he's, when he's going through this chapter and he's laying out practical things, there's a great, great teaching here, not just for you. I can tell you, man, you talk about heavy responsibility. As I unpack this package, I know what God has called me to do as a leader. And if, if, if I expect you to honor me and obey me in, in, in my leadership, I know what tall order I, I stand to deliver. And no different in my home with my wife. I don't demand my wife submit to me. Submit, woman. I don't do that. I know some of you probably think I'm real rough on my wife because she's nice and sweet and quiet and I'm loud and obnoxious. But you can talk to my wife. There is a loving submission one to another in our home. And it's not because of anything I've done or she's done. It's because of what we've discovered. And we've discovered the truth of God's way of doing a home. And we, we listen, we fail at it many times. Ask our children. But I know where I need to look to understand this. And it's to my Lord and Savior. And so as I seek to lead you, church, I will seek to look there for that example, for that instruction in leading you. And your responsibility is submission. Why? Why? Notice verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Why? For they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Whew. This is frightening. I will stand before a holy God one day and give an account for you. And how I've taught you the word. And how I've invested in your life. And I pray. If you'll just obey what I'm teaching you. <laughs> if you'll just hear it. If you just won't harden to it. If you just won't reject it. If you just be submissive to what I'm sharing from God's word. Not from my opinions. You can discard those. That's chapter 13. But just the truth. In the Old Testament, this idea was the watchman on the wall. And the watchman on the wall, and Ezekiel is a great book that illustrates this. He, they would stand upon the wall of the guarded city and their responsibility was to stand guard to protect the people that were there. We see the same illustration in the New Testament in, the, in regards to the shepherd. And we need to look no further than the Luke 2 passage, Luke 2, 8, and we see this. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock, by night. See, Nate and I, uh, Nate's my first shift guy. 
He works first shift, I'm second shift. Remember that cartoon, Morning Fred, Morning Frank? Remember when they would do the exchange? Yeah, that's me and Nate oftentimes here at the office. It's just how it is. I'm actually thankful for these passages <laughs> because trust me, there are many times, last night was one of them, I got a text at 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm praying. The idea of the shepherds were living with those sheep and they guarded them throughout the night. And they're protecting them from potential wolves that might come in and oftentimes in sheep's clothing. One of the hardest things as a pastor I've had to deal with over the years is danger. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Sorry, we've been watching that lately, the new episode. We did angel it, just so you know. <laughs> Move the bad parts. But this idea of protecting many times, and this is one of the hardest things that we do, is just as he warned, I'm going to give context to this. Man, my knee's hurting today. I need my brace, mama. Anyway, you look back and go back into um, verse 7 of Hebrews 13. Remember, he's just brought this point up earlier. Remember those who rule over you, who've spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods that which have not profited those who've been occupied with them. Oftentimes, strange doctrines can kind of begin to creep in. And these come from good people, seemingly. You know what I mean? When I say good people, I'm using it in the, in the definition of they're nice. There's none good, no, not one. So let's get some biblical definition, right? Ever met a Mormon? Been friends with them? Nice people. Guys, that's easy seen. By the way, if you want to know more on how to reach Mormons, check out our apologetics conference coming in the end of September or see Tyson for more information. Anyway. The idea, though, is the tough ones are when it's in the fold and it's people we care about. I have a responsibility to you to protect. And sometimes people don't have information that leadership has. And that's for your protection. And this is why in this concept, and the idea of the text here is there is a, there is a bent towards trust. When he says, obey your leaders, when he, when he mentions this, there is already this bent towards trust. And look, Scripture makes it clear. If I cross that line then you have a responsibility to hold me accountable. But there's also a way in which we do that. The Scripture makes it clear that if a pastor sins... Okay, that's the first thing. Not if the pastor chooses a carpet color you didn't like. I didn't choose carpet color, but anyway. Pastor wants to do this idea, and I don't like it. That's not what the Scriptures say. If there is sin, you need two witnesses 
to verify this truth. It says don't receive an accusation against an elder. Well, you know what, Pastor Nate, I saw him doing the other day, driving down the road on his little fancy bike. I saw him stopped at the ABC store. Mm -hmm. Getting a little power drink, I'm sure. You know what your responsibility is, church member? Which, by the way, you know, Nate's not doing that. He already had it at the house. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's my joke. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, Nate. You have a responsibility when that church member says that to say, You saw this? Mm hmm. Okay. Well, let's have you go talk to Pastor Nate. Oh, no. I can't do that. That's why I'm telling you. It's <laughs> not how it works. In fact, that's hearsay, so I'm not going to receive that. These are important truths, guys. And I'm teaching today as if... As, as, listen, you know my heart here. I'll, I will stay as long as God will have me stay here. That is my desire to minister to you folks till my last breath, if that is His will. But I'm also ready to leave tomorrow if that's His will. And regardless, this church belongs to Him. No matter what, this is His church. And so my responsibility is preparing you in, in this relationship, regardless of whether it's Pastor Jeremy, Pastor Nate, whether it's 30 years down the line, children, and you're in the adult roles, that you will understand these truths so that you receive pastors in a biblical manner, that you treat them in a biblical manner, that you hold them accountable in a biblical manner. And by the way, if in that scenario there were two witnesses and they come and they say yes and they sit down with Nate and he refuses to hear them and anyway we get these witnesses together, the Bible actually says rebuke them in front of all. So there's a strong accountability for pastors. There must be within the local body of Christ. And so he says here to obey those leaders, to submit to those leaders. Why? They must give account. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Um, actually, let me yeah, skip on to this one. Let's go to Acts. You can read it here. 2, uh, 20, 28 through 29. Why should we submit? They, they watch for your souls and they must give an account. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's that word again, overseer, bishop, episcopos. The shepherd, poimen, pastor. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Guys, this, was, this again was even back in the writing of this in which Paul pins this. He knew the danger. He knew what was coming. You've been learning in Revelation. You see, and I'm sure Larry has made the connection from this warning to what happened. And so there's a great responsibility that rests on my shoulders and Nate's shoulders because we watch for your souls as one who must give an account. James 3.1 uh, warns us that we're not to 
Uh, he says, uh, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive the stricter, stricter judgment. I like this quote by Chuck Smith. A teacher should teach us to submit to God, not to himself. Guys, my plea for your submission is not to me. My plea is to our submission to God. You know, again, and we've been through church discipline here before at this church, uh, in which I'm thankful that we've navigated that by the grace of God in an effective way. Uh, I believe we have done that properly in, in years gone by. And heaven forbid if we should ever face it again, and I hope we, we, we wouldn't. But as we learned in Hebrews, whom God loves, He chastens. Church discipline is a difficult matter because there's always those in the church who have emotional ties to the one being disciplined. Some always feel sorry for the person and urge others in the church to show grace and mercy, not judgment. But to be effective, discipline has to be uniformly enforced. Then the penalty of being put out of the fellowship is undermined. If there's this idea of, oh, we just got to love them. It's the same thing as when parents do not stand together in disciplining their children. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Kids, we know your game. We know your game. You ain't, we were kids too. Mom, can I go over to Johnny's house and play? No, you haven't got your homework done. She was a very masculine woman there at first. You notice that? I kind of caught it. So she stomps off, Daddy, Daddy. Because now she's got to get that sweet voice going to try and manipulate. Can I go over and play? Didn't you just ask your mama that? Yes. What'd she say? No. Well, then why are you coming and asking me? Same answer. No. Now go to your room and clean it. <laughs> I hate y'all. No, they don't do that. But think about it. What happens in your home when, when, you know, Mama, can I go over and play at Susie's? No. Daddy, can I go over and play at Susie's? Yes, absolutely. You go ahead. What did you tell her yes for? I just told her no. Well, now, honey, come on. She's just a little girl. She needs some playtime. I can't believe it. And all of a sudden, now there's a fight. All right, see y'all later. <laughs> I'm going to play at Susie's. Parenting 101, we're, we're in unity on this one, right? All right, in case we haven't learned this yet, parents, we've got to be on the same page, okay? If you have disagreement, talk about that later, okay? Go ahead and back up each other, talk about it later, or have a sidebar, all right? Well, honey, come over for a second. Well, you know, I was thinking, okay, okay, that's good, all right. But this is what happens in the church. It happens all the time, and it leads to such strife. And Satan has a field day. So, we submit because the under-shepherd must give an account. 
He watches for your soul and must give an account. If some members continue to fellowship with the person under discipline, then the penalty of being put out of the fellowship is undermined. It's the same thing as when parents do not stand together in disciplining their children. The children quickly recognize that they can do as they please without any penalty because dad and mom don't agree. So obedience to church leadership is especially important if the church has to discipline a sinning member. That's from your duties towards church Leaders, Pastor Stephen Cole. So what's the last point? I know y'all want to get out of here. I'm already 6.45 past due. (gasps) Pray. Obey and pray. Notice if you would the following text. Pray for us. The writer says pray for us. He uses a plural form here. Again, multiple elders, multiple pastors. I think he's identifying with them. I believe this writer potentially was a elder, a pastor of this church. And he's traveled, he's gone to minister somewhere to do something, and he's saying, pray for us. And what does he ask them to pray for? By the way, I I, I think because he later references Timothy uh, in this text, um, I I think, uh, again, it's it's possible as as Timothy, um, and I won't get too ahead of myself, but... uh, uh, know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. So the idea is they're getting ready to travel there and come there. And so he's asking to pray for us because his, his, part of his prayer is that they'll, that, he'll, that they'll return safely to them. But notice what else he's asking for prayer for. He's asking for prayer for a good conscience. So what should you pray for? You want to know how to pray for your pastor? Here you go. Here's your outline. You want to know how to pray for your pastors, plural? Pray that we have a good conscience. For we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. Gang, I will tell you this. As your pastor, I have a good conscience in where God has us at this time in the life of this church. I feel confident in Him and who He is and and clean before Him in the direction in which He is leading this church body even in current circumstances, which by the way, if you're visiting, no, we're not having problems. We're just in... This chapter 13. And I pray we don't anytime soon, but this prepares us for the bumps in the road. And I have a good conscience that as long as we continue to do things biblically, scripturally, not emotionally, we'll be okay. Does that mean it hurts? Sure it hurts. Life stinks sometimes, don't it? But again, we just had a whole chapter on what it means to persevere. Pray for a good conscience. That I'll continue to seek God's way. That I will be submissive to God's leadership. That I will be response, that I will respond. That Pastor Nate and I will respond to how God leads us in leading you. That there would be unity. He says to live honorably. That's a desire. That's a prayer. That is your pastor's prayer. That we would live honorably. All of these things that he's just listed that were practical applications in Hebrews 13 are things that he's asking, pray for that. That we might live this way. And I say to you, I echo it. Pray for us that we might live that way. 
Pray for Pastor Nate and I to live clean lives with a clear conscience, opening our mouths to make known the mysteries of God, that we'll teach and proclaim the Word of God with boldness. Because I can tell you one of the biggest dangers to being a pastor is compromise. I don't want to upset you. I don't want to make you mad. Sure, I'd love for you to be my friend. I'm so lonely. I need friends. I do like friendship. <laughs> you know. But not at the extent of compromising the very truth of God's Word. And I recognize that... And, and, and there's sometimes... A healthy distance, if you will, likened to a parent and child. But pray. Pray that I will be the man of God I need to be to lead you so that you have no problems in following after us. That's my desire. And that only comes if I'm submissive to the will of God. If I hear His voice and heed His word and walk in unity in step. That's what the author is saying. Pray. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you. Again, when you're submissive, the preaching of our word has run swiftly. It's been received in your heart. And now you're applying it. That's great. That's good. So here's the conclusion. Obey your pastor in the word. Pray for your pastor to be the man, to have a good conscience, to live honorably, to be full of joy. Because here's what happens when we are not submissive. He says that's not profitable for you. Let our labor in truth be a joyful one. Not one that's grievous. Not one that gives me an ulcer in my stomach. <laughs> Has stress tests going, you know. That's not profitable for anybody. I know it's not profitable for me, but trust me, it's not profitable for you. Nobody likes a cranky pastor. Hey, he's liable to keep us here another 20 minutes. <laughs> Let me say this. Community Baptist Church, you have given me and my family great joy. Great joy. In serving you at this church body has been a very joyous ministry. And I pray that as God gives us days together, that they will continue to be such. And that comes through our pursuit of Him. That comes through our guarded unity in the truth. 3 John 1.4 sums it up best by the elder John. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. You want to know how to encourage my heart, Pastor Nate's heart? Church, there's your application. Don't just hear the word we're teaching you and deceive yourself going out of here unchanged, not applying. 
Let the Word of God have its way in you. Respond to the truth. Die to self. Take up your cross. Follow Jesus. These are the truths we teach over and over. Present your body as a living sacrifice. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. These are the truths we teach week in, week out. You want to give us some joy? Let's heed the Word of God together. Let's finish this race well. You talk about joy? That thrills my soul. It thrills my soul to see people's lives change, transform, and see them become passionate for the things of God. To see families healed because they put Christ at the center of their marriage. Because people turn their back on a lifestyle of sin that's been tripping them up and tripping them up. And they said, you know what, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. God, take this from me. I want to follow you. That brings joy. That brings rejoicing in glory over one sinner who repents. Obey and pray. Son, that's for you. His painted rock. Sharing the word even at Arby's. I love you, buddy. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your truth that's never changing because you're never changing. Lord, we're the ones that change. We're the ones that move away. We're, we're the ones that we think we know better. We justify Father, forgive us. Help us just simply surrender and be submissive to you. Because whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our home as children, whether it's in our job, whether it's in a church, whether it's in the United States of America, Lord, when we are submitting to those that have the role and responsibility to lead, we submit to you. And ultimately, that is our desire to honor you. Help us to be changed as we go from here today. Have your will and way in this time of invitation that we'll just have reflective prayer and respond however you move in our heart. You speak in this closing moment. And I pray that everyone here would do business with you. In Jesus' name, amen.